Thank you, Brent. Good morning. Are you well this morning? Wonderful. Just before I kick off, Brent, you know, he was standing across at the wall and he said, can he do it? And I felt the Holy Spirit drop into my, into my spirit this morning. You know, parents amongst us, Bob the Builder, can he fix it? I do believe, I do believe, not just for the parents this morning that need fixing, but that prophetic word that was brought this morning about Jesus can fix. Jesus can fix. Off the back of that, I'd love to get going and to speak about what we're going to be looking at this morning. As we do that this morning, I'd love to ask the question, who amongst us here this morning has had a really memorable holiday? Like you sitting back now and you're thinking about, oh, that time that we went to Hole in the Wall, or that time that we went to Europe, or the time we, that we went to wherever, fill in the gap, and you get those warm, fuzzy feelings. Anybody had a holiday like that? Yes? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Absolutely. I think we all have had at some point the privilege. We've, as a family, have had the privilege of being part of some really great holidays. But the other question is who has had a holiday that you best would forget? Put your hand up high. Yes? Fewer hands, by the grace of God. Thank you very much. But I am, my hand is up, friends, because I had a holiday many, many, many years ago with my late parents, um, and it was painful. My, my late old man, love the man, incredible man of God, but he was a avid, and I mean avid, fisherman. We used to get up early in the morning, get the ski boat, go and launch the ski boat, and fish literally, friends, from sunup to sundown. My late dad fished for the SA team in the late 70s and early 80s, and he was hardcore. There was no being sissy and ninny on his boat. If you were crew, you were all in. And guess I got to be crew many, many times. But I had this small issue this really small issue, is every time I went fishing, guess what happened? And it wasn't just, it didn't just stop there, friends. You know, it just, it, it all came out. And I would lay on the deck and I would be praying and saying, Let's, and dad would just say like, just put, this, put the life jacket over your head and just sleep. We're going home at four o'clock this afternoon. I loved fishing, honestly. Between all of this, I loved fishing. But one of the greatest moments you know when the ski boat comes back onto the beach and it's like, like you jump off the boat and guess what? It's solid. It's not moving. It's not moving and your stomach immediately begins to settle, friends. We had that often. We had that often. And there was this one occasion where, where my dad decided he had these really alternative ways of trying to fix things is that we would go fishing. But not only would we fish once or twice, we would go fishing until I got over my seasickness. 12 days, 13 days later, I stopped counting, friends, because it all became a haze. It all became a haze, and I did not get over my seasickness, as you can hear. Why am I sharing this story, friends? Well, you see... If, like me, and I'm sure you'll be able to identify, the last couple of years, maybe the last 18 months, 24 months, for many of us, and myself included, have been something like that proverbial, we're on the ski boat in the ocean, 
and the swells are running, the wind is blowing, the little boat being, we, we, we fished on a little 14-foot boat. My dad would not buy a bigger ski boat than 14 foot. Now, that's a tiny little thing when you're out there on the ocean, and it's getting tossed up and down, and you are all over the place, friends. Life has felt like that, hasn't it? Life has felt like that, friends. And this morning, or actually not this morning, but over the last couple of weeks, God's been speaking to me into my life around certain areas where it's felt like I've been on a bit of an ocean up and down, where he's been speaking about the subject of the providence of God. The providence of God. And so that's what I would love to share with you this morning. Just my journey. It's by no means a complete journey. But I'd love to share something of what God has been speaking. So won't we pray? Father, I thank you for that you hold us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that at all times we are in the palm of your hand, Father. I thank you, Father, that in you we find peace. And Holy Spirit, this morning as we look at the subject, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and speak? Although I'm holding the mic, would you come and speak? We open up our hearts this morning to hear what it is that you have to say. Amen. Amen. So the providence of God, friends, I had a look and tried to put together a definition from a couple of definitions, and I'll read it to you. It says, the providence of God is the governance of God by which he, with wisdom and love, cares for, upholds, and directs all things. Can you say all things? All things in the universe. The governance of God by which he, with wisdom, much wisdom, and much love, friends, cares for, upholds, and directs all things in the universe. It's the providence of God, friends, is the anchor point to which we can attach our lives when we feel like things are going out of control, knowing that he upholds all things, that he loves and he cares for us, and that everything is in his hands, friends. You see, Jesus, in many ways, when he was teaching his, his apostles, he was giving them insight into things, although he wasn't necessarily directly teaching them about this. And one of those occasions is in John 6, when Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And there, the apostles are facing a difficult situation. You know, Jesus asks this question. He says, how are we going to feed all these people around here? And he turns to one of them, Philip. What's Philip? Yes, turns to Philip, sorry. And he says, you tell me, how are we going to feed all these guys? And we know how that story works itself out. Says there's a young guy that brings, literally, he brings his lunch tin, and he gives it to Jesus. And Jesus does the incredible, he does the miraculous with, with, with what seemed nat- in the natural to be very little. But when you go and read John 6, it says that Jesus asked Philip this question, knowing already what it was that he was going to do. Go and read it for yourself. I love that verse. I go back and I look at that verse so often and I say, Lord, in the context of not knowing the answer, not having the solution, only seeing a luncheon and seeing so many multitudes, thank you, Jesus, that in that context, you already know what it is you're going to do. You already know what it is that you're going to do. In our city, in these elections, in your life, in your business, in whatever the case may be, heaven, friends, when you see an empty, a, 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 a hand that holds little, understand that Jesus already knows what it is he's going to do to fulfill that. 
If you turn with me to the, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, not 41, I said 41 on Thursday, and everyone looked very confused. It's one of, one of the chapters that I love, Isaiah 40. These verses stand out for me, friends. Isaiah 40. The whole passage, the whole chapter is entitled, it says, The Lord has no equal. If we read verses 12 to 14, it says, Who else held the oceans in his hands, speaking about God? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has even weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? Let's drop down to verse 21. It says, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? And the words he gave before the world began. Are you so arrogant? God sits. I love this, friends. Listen to the language. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. If we drop down even further to verse 25, it says, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Friends, just think about this. How many stars are out there in the universe? Many. How many? We know one universe, but we know that the clever people speak about multiple universes, friends. And it says that God calls each one of them by name. By name. The providence of God, friends, it's incredible. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. I'm sorry, friends, if I'm coming across a little bit loud. And Vishal, turn me down if you have to, my friend. But friends, we have to hear these words. These are the wor this is the God that we, are, that, that we serve. This is the God who we call our Heavenly Father, friends. Who knows your situation? Who knows my situation? And he says, hey, I've got this. I've got this. I, I, I wrote the statement down here. God is in complete control at all times. A simple statement, but maybe you, we need to hear that this morning, church. God is in complete control at all times. 
I don't think you need to be much of a prophetic person to know that the uncertainty that we deal with, friends, I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. Things are still going to be unstable. Things are still going to be unpredictable. Things are still going to seem fluid in many aspects and in many contexts, friends. But above all of that, God is in control at all times. And we need to hear that. We need to hear that this morning. But it's no good just hearing it, friends. It's no good just hearing it. You see, the question as I was making my way through this, I realized that actually that revelation then demands a response. Not asks for a response. That revelation, friends, demands a response. And as I was jotting this down this week, as I asked myself that question once again, how do I respond knowing that I serve the God of Isaiah 40? How do I respond? What is the right response to give a God who measures the universe? It says in the span of his hand. Now you go and look up Google. How far does light travel in a year? I mean, it's ridiculous. And it says that he measures the heavens like that. How do I respond to a God that is that big, friends? Well, as I, as I was contemplating that again this week, the phrase trust and obey, trust and obey just dropped into my heart. You know there's a song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. To trust and obey, friends. So I just want to just unpack a little bit very quickly. We, we need to have a look at a couple of things. Trust and obey. Trust, friends, is choosing to believe in the ability, the strength, and the reliability of the Lord. Choosing. We sang about that this morning. The choices we make, we choose. It is intentional. It has to be deliberate. Deliberate. It sometimes has to be through gritted teeth that we choose. We say, Lord, we choose to obey. But it is a choice, friends. And we take that choice. We take that revelation. We take that conviction, friends. And we, we, we elevate it above. We choose that what God does and what God says carries more authority, friends, than what I say and what I do. What God says and what God does carries more authority. Has, it, is, it needs to be higher than what I believe I should do and what I say, friends. Because you see, if I elevate myself above what God says and does, guess what is happening? I'm no better, friends than the, the Israelites who were, who were serving idols at stages. No better. It's idolatry. If I elevate myself above God, guess what? Who's serving who here? It's no good, friends, and God is against that. So what does trust look like? Well, Proverbs 3 verse 5, it tells us, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We'll get to that. Do not depend on your understanding. Seek his will in all you do, 
and He will show you which path to take. If we just unpack that quickly. It says, friends, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not trust in the Lord with all your hands. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your journey of trust, friends, will start in the heart first. And it will be revealed in your hands. Jesus was asked this question. He, he, was, he was asked, what must we do to be doing the works of God? In other words, what is, what is, what is the testimony? What are the works of God that we should be doing? And Jesus answered, he said, the work of God is this. To believe in the one that has been sent, friends. Before it gets to your hands, it starts in your heart. And I would encourage you, I was thinking about this just driving here this morning. I would, I would caution you probably maybe, is to be cautious about being hands before heart. Wrestle with God. Wrestle. This trust, Lord, what you say and do, what you say and do, what you say and do, more authority than what I say and do. And as we do that, friends, as we come to submission, the Bible talks about it. It says he will elevate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says do not depend on your own understanding, friends. Depend for me is key in this. You see, if like me, you often depend on your, on, on your experience, your knowledge, your past history, whatever the case might be, friends, trust pivots on dependence, friends. Pivots on dependence. I love the fact that it says, don't depend on your understanding. So it's not, God's not saying, listen, don't have an understanding. He's, he's not saying, don't, don't think about things. Think about things. Have an understanding. But when it comes to trusting, trust, depend on my understanding. Depend on my understanding. Verse 6 Seek his will in all you do. What is the easiest way to do that? Well, it's to ask the question, what are you doing, God, as opposed to what should I be doing? If you want to seek, if, if you want to find God's will, ask the question, Lord, what are you doing that I should be seeing you, you doing? What are you doing in my finances, in my job, in my career? What is it that you are doing, Lord? And you will find his will. And then it ends off, it says, and he will show you which path to take. What does trust look like? Well, it begins in the heart. It's revealed in the hands. We depend on the understanding of God, and we walk it out, choosing God's path, friends. Trust and obey. Obey is the second part. Friends, if I can just add in here quickly. Personally, one of my first, one of my first opportunities, actually, Nikki and I, my wife, one of our first opportunities, friends, as, as early adults to walk this out was, in our first, was when we purchased our first piece of property. Bless you. When we purchased our first piece of property out at Amphalosi where we live now. You see, the property was beautiful. 
Some of you have seen it before when you visited us there, where we did the church parties. And, but it was way more than we could afford. It was actually, in terms of what we ended up paying for it, it was four times that value. Four times that value. And we went down and we, got on, we, we went and sat in amongst, literally amongst the blackjacks on the property to pray and say, Lord, if this is your will, then make it happen. Show us how. And long story short, and I won't share the detail of it, but we ended up buying the property, friends, for what we could afford. Because that's what we said. This is what we've got. This is what we're going to pay. And we, we were able to buy an asset, friends, that was four times the value because of going to God, hearing his voice, trusting we'd heard his voice, and then walking it out in obedience. And God helped us with it. And there are many stories. In the, in the life of the church, there are many of these stories as well, friends. Trust and obey. So let's have a look at obedience quickly. Obedience is trust put into action. Obedience is trust outworked. It's no good just having trust in our heart. As I said earlier, trust in your heart is revealed in your hands. And that's through obedience, friends. What was formed in the heart is now revealed in our hands. Joshua 24 verse 15. What does obedience look like? Well, Joshua gets to the end of his life, having led the nation of Israel. And he gets to this point in Joshua 24 verse 15. He says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve beyond the Euphrates. Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But he makes this statement, friends, his conviction. He says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Won't you stand, please? I'd like you to think about this morning an area of your life where maybe you are like that ski boat this morning and you're getting thrown around there's all sorts of stuff happening God says I've got it I'm in control I'm in control your response this morning friends is to trust, to surrender, to yield, to trust. I feel this morning there's parents here this morning. I don't know why, but there are parents here this morning and your children, they're not necessarily living the life that you would hope they lived. feel God saying this morning, trust. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Relationships that haven't gone the way they should have. God redeems and God restores. Finance. Opportunities. And so, Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. Father, thank you that you are the God who has no equal, Isaiah 40. The God who has no equal. And this morning, Lord, we come before you. We thank you that 
Hebrews tells us we can come before the throne of grace. Throne of grace. And this morning, Lord, we come before the throne, thanking you first and foremost, Jesus, that you are on the throne. You have not abdicated the throne. You have not left the throne. You are still on the throne. And we thank you that we can come to you this morning. And your word says, Father, that we can present our request to you. It says we will find grace and receive mercy. And so I pray this morning, Father, that grace would flow into lives this morning. Grace would flow into situations this morning, Heavenly Father. Would you enable and empower us, empower us Lord, to trust you and to obey you, knowing that you're a good God. Amen. Amen.